You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And we are joined once again by Dan Fleming. Say hello, Dan. Hello, everyone. So Dan's becoming a uh, regular fixture here as we continue through our February coverage. (laughs) I love that. It's so dumb. I love that you crack yourself up every single time you say February. Like, you just do not get over it. (laughs) Okay, look. Try to seriously say February. February. <laughs> February. <laughs> See, that just sounds like you're saying February, but you're a little drunk. <laughs> Actually, up here in Maine, that's pretty much how people say February. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the South, they uh, drop all of the R's. Just February. Ferber. Yep, Ferber. We lean hard into the R's up here in New England. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a uh, Minnesotan aunt, and so, uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with the the adding R's where they don't need to belong. I always thought was the Southern thing. Anyways, now what we're talking about, uh, what we are talking about, well, it is what we're talking about, because we're still talking about February, and I'm I'm a little sad, because this is our last February episode of 2021. Yeah, I know. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I'm sad that we couldn't do more. Um, you know, it's too bad that that February has to be the shortest month of the year, and it's the only one that fits our uh, our ridiculous um, our pun title. Um, but yeah, dude. You, but I you know, like two or three days wouldn't make a difference in us getting another episode out, right? It like it, it being on how the, the short- calendar falls. I mean, like you know, you've got like. Like in March, we've got five weeks, you know, <laughs> depending on what day we release the episode. So, I mean, it, it could work out with a few more days. Um, sure. But yeah, but, but I am very, I feel like we are definitely going out on a high note uh, <laughs> with this series, for sure. A, <laughs> for a very sure. hair-raising movie, as it were. <laughs> it's it's very wolfterful. That doesn't work. I was trying to put wolf in wonderful. Nope. Wonderwolf, wonderful. This is Nathan, great if you, podcasting. If, if yes? you keep going down this trail, you're going to give yourself more editing to do, and you you don't want to do that. <laughs> nah, man. When it's just dumb, that stays in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we're concluding our February coverage with Wolf Guy, um, and and I. I have notes on what to say about Wolf Guy, but I still don't know what to say about Wolf Guy. It is, <laughs> it's it's um, it's something. It it is a movie that we watched and that we are going to be discussing. Uh, if for some reason this is the first episode that you're joining us for, our February coverage has been a month long coverage of werewolf movies, 
and we are ending it with the least werewolf of them all the most werewolf the <laughs> the it is the, simultaneously the least and most werewolf movie we're covering it is something uh yeah so we're, we're gonna be uh doing in this review the same thing that we do in all of our reviews where we talk about the context in which we viewed the film we're going to talk about some technical components as well as our responses and uh, our analysis when there can be an analysis uh, and then we're going to give some recommendations for what this movie would pair well with so uh so yeah let's go ahead and start diving into it dan what is your context for wolf guy uh, very, very little. I hadn't seen it pr- prior. Um, I was familiar with Sonny Chiba because I have been obsessed with the film True Romance pretty much my entire life. And in that, you know, that's what Clarence is going to go see. He's going to go see Sonny Chiba film. So at, at that point in my life, when it's, I had never seen nor heard of a Sonny Chiba film. And I was able to find... Um, at that time, VHS copies of Street Fighter and Return of the Street Fighter. And I watched those, and they're, after watching Wolf Guy, they're exactly what you think they would be. <laughs> uh, very, very exploitive, um, mid-70s action flicks that are cut together to make no real sense at all. Just one one cool scene after another doesn't matter if they make any sense. Uh, after that, I'd pretty much forgotten Sonny Chiba... I mean, he would show up every once in a while in like a Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, he was in Kill Bill as Hattori Hanzo, but that's that's not a Sonny Chiba film by any standard. Mm. And then a few, I think it was I like mean, a year it or two kind ago, of Arrow. is. <laughs> well, I mean, he is, take all he's, the, a center, he's a center point for a while. Well, and take all of the exploitation that you get in some of uh, Chiba's films, and Tarantino yes. adds that, but with more feet. Yes. Oh, God. Him in front fetish, yes. Um, uh, so, somewhere in his room, I feel like he has instead of like a shoe closet, just a closet full of shoes filled with like foot model feet <laughs> that, he's, that he's taken. Like it's a wax museum of people's feet. That's very, very charitable favorite. of you to, to assume that they are wax feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sure that those feet get waxed plenty. <clears throat> but anyways... <laughs> Yeah, then about two years ago, I, I I like I follow Arrow films. They usually put out, especially in the horror genre, really deluxe packages of films like Microwave Massacre that don't always deserve the special treatment. <laughs> right. Uh, I never I never went around to picking this one up for some reason or another. Um, but I was like, oh, okay, Arrow gave that attention, so maybe someday I will get to it. And then you guys were. Uh, I'll be. I'll say smart enough to put this <laughs> as a choice. I, I think and, foolhardy is a better better describer. Yeah, and but it gave me that. Hey, now I have to watch this. So sometimes that's all the encouragement you need to to really dive into Wolf Guy. It's just some you need that one person to give you permission. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it also helps when it's during February. Yes. Yes. Also, if anyone has turned uh, this podcast into a drinking game, when we say February, they'd have alcohol poisoning by now. Yes, <laughs> you've probably lost people due to the that alcohol poisoning, <laughs> if that is the case. Need to put they're, a disclaimer they're, they're at the top of the episode. They are now somewhere contemplating, uh, you know, an AA meeting. 
they, they are somewhere contemplating uh, whether a giant tiger demon ghost is going to attack them. And yes, it probably will. The most gentlest tiger looking that you've ever seen as a ghost. <laughs> oh my God. We are so going to get to that tiger demon. It's, it's adorable. Uh, it's a good kitty. What about you? What is your context for Wolf Guy? Because this one, uh, this was your pick initially when we were yeah. talking about our, our February movies. Uh, because we tried to have a, a nice variety. We had, you know, a classic with The Howling, and then we had a different take on werewolves with Ginger Snaps. And then I wanted something that was a bit grittier, but maybe, you know, off the beaten path in terms of dog soldiers. And then we wanted something zany. I suggested mm. Wolf Cop because. Yeah. And you were like, eh, how about wolf guy instead? I'm like, all right, whatever. It's a guy, not a cop. Um, <laughs> so sure. It's a, it's a, it's a PI sort of, I guess. I think that's what he's supposed to be, I, but it's never I, really clear. I thought um, that he so was he, a cop until like at one point they say something about him being a reporter. I was like, what? No. What? Yeah. He's, he's a cop. Is it? I, it's, mm. it's very unclear. Like, I mean, he, I guess he's supposed to be a detective or a private investigator but also like he's not hired by anybody like he just seems to be a private investigator who just decides to pursue things on his own for no reason whatsoever it's very interesting yeah his, um, his employment in this movie makes no yeah. sense like it is completely irrelevant to anything he is completely untethered from everything that happens plot wise he just happens to be there it's so funny um but yeah so this is a movie that i rem it had popped up on letter on my letterbox feed uh multiple times like i remember seeing it pop up i don't even remember who it was but somebody i followed had posted a review of it a review of it and i was like oh that sounds pretty interesting and then um i can't remember exactly when maybe sometime last year um they covered this movie on the last drive-in um, on shutter. And then like whatever day that was, of course, my entire letterbox feed was everyone was like people just talking about wolf guy. Um, so I was like, man, I have to see this movie. This sounds great. Um, and then when we talked about doing February, we really, you know, we tried to do a really good job of curating different types of werewolf films. And we wanted to end on something that was really bonkers. And the first thing that came to mind was wolf guy. Um, so, uh, and also I like that it was a foreign film. Like we don't, this will be the only kind of foreign film that we have in this. Um, Dark Soldiers so that was, part was foreign. Of the well, British yeah, or foreign? Well, Ginger Snaps was Canadian. Oh, uh, well, I guess I, <laughs> foreign language then. Foreign language. So we have had one American film in our February I'm coverage. With, I'm going with the Academy Award, the, the Academy definition of foreign, which is foreign language. People who do not speak English, I guess. <laughs> Um, so yeah, anyway, um, I really didn't know much about it because anytime somebody, anytime I read a review or somebody described this movie, it sounded like all of those people were describing an entirely different movie. Yep. Um, and now that I've seen it, it totally makes sense because it is, uh, it is many, many movies rolled into one. Um, I was expecting this to be totally batshit crazy and, uh, it definitely was, but not at all in the way that I expected. Um, you know, because for starters, it's a werewolf movie that doesn't really have a werewolf in it, yep. um, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty much all that I had going for it. I just knew it was going to be a wild time and I thought it would be fun to talk about. 
Yeah, so I probably have the least amount of background um, on Wolf Guy of, of any of us because I had never heard of it until Eric said, let's go for Wolf Guy. And I didn't read any reviews about it. Like, I didn't look up anything other than just uh, I, I think that I looked it up on IMDb when you suggested it. And I saw that it was a Sonny Chiba film. And like, I looked at some of the pictures and that was it. I, I didn't even read what it was about. So like, all right, sure, fine. Um, so I knew nothing going into it. And I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but also eh, I don't take myself seriously. So who cares? This is the first Sonny Chiba movie that I've ever seen. Like, I, I've known about him for years. Uh, I think that actually the first time that I heard about him was on the TV show Monk, um, where there was an, an episode where one of the guys was obsessed with Sonny Chiba. You know, like, I, I knew Bruce Lee. I, I knew Jackie Chan. Like, I knew some of the other big martial arts, uh, uh, big names from the 70s and 80s and whatnot. But I'd never seen a Sonny Chiba film. Yeah, I have some of them. I just don't, I haven't watched them. So going into this, I did not know what to expect at all. I expected it to be a lot more Kung Fu-esque and there are some good fight scenes, but it is not nearly what I expected it to be. And so Dan, when you said, yeah, this is pretty much what to expect from Street Fighter, that actually makes me really happy that <laughs> those movies are going to be nothing like what I expected them to be. Um, and in terms of Wolf Guy specifically, I pretty much only had Eric's descriptions from when he was watching it. Like he would send me texts like, oh man, this is bonkers. Oh man, this is crazy. What the hell is going on in this movie? So I was expecting it to be insane. And like Eric said, it is just not in the way that I expected it to be. Uh, because I also, as a preemptive pairing, watched Riccio, the story of Ricky, before watching Wolf Guy. And that movie is just batshit crazy and i love it it is basically um it, it is as close to a video game action movie as you can get because it is just like one boss battle after another and uh like ricky is just super powered and nothing can hurt him and it's oh my god it's so insane and i love it uh i can't even remember how many times riccio punched through someone like literally punched through them and there's now a hole in their stomach from where he punched them or nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or like he does, he uppercuts someone and rips their jaw off. It is, it is so bloody and so disgusting and just so much fun to watch. Yeah. That's, that's one I've definitely been wanting to cover on our, on this podcast at some point. We'll have to cover that. We, we are, it, it is going to just be a, a, an hour of us going, Oh my God, this scene was awesome. Man, when you rip <laughs> that dude's face off and then you rip that dude's face off. Oh my God. It's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, I, I watched Ricky O first and then going into Wolf guy, it's not quite as actiony. It's definitely not nearly as bloody. It's not really a letdown, but it's not uh, the same tone as as what I was expecting. Uh, and then also, of course, since it's February, I've been watching a lot of other werewolf movies. Um, one in particular that we'll get to at the end of this episode. Um, but, but yeah, I, I didn't really have a whole lot going into it. And that's probably the best way to watch this movie. Mm. Um, so... <laughs> So if you've never seen Wolf Guy and if you've never heard anything about it, stop listening to us. Go watch Wolf Guy. I definitely recommend it. I assume, Eric and Dan, that you also recommend it? Question mm -hmm. mark? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. So we, we all recommend it. 
definitely watch it but i think that this movie actually benefits from not knowing what you're going to get into mm-hmm. because by the end of the movie you don't know what you've watched it's <laughs> yeah there there was a part of me that was like thinking because we almost never do actual like plot synopses on our podcast and it's something i think about sometimes and for this one, i was like maybe we should do a plot synopsis nope. like to tell people what this movie is about and i'm like I don't even I don't even know where to begin. Like I don't well, even know. And even if you try to describe this movie, and even if you're accurately describing it, there's still no way to really prepare somebody for this experience. So the the way that I describe Wolf Guy is a I have to make sure I say all of this a kung fu rape revenge werewolf yakuza mob procedural erotic cop drama spy thriller with a dash of horror and political intrigue. Mm-hmm. I see that yes. jokingly and as genuinely as I possibly can. Like, it, is there any other way to describe this movie? The The only thing <laughs> wrong about that is it's not a cop drama because it's a reporter drama, but it's totally a cop drama. I think that they just got his job wrong in the actual movie. <laughs> for, for, yeah, me, you- it's a, for me, it's just a movie that uh, warns about the many dangers of syphilis. <laughs> also that. <laughs> they they really should play this in uh sex ed yeah. as like here's why oh, man, you know yeah. you need to you need to wear protection it's like it's like here's the or dangers of syphilis <laughs> it's like here's the dangers of syphilis and then also know that the worst disease of all is mankind <laughs> <laughs> it's like you see how bad this is mankind is worse here's how bad syphilis is they uh they say syphilis more times in that movie than i have said February on this episode so far it's like <laughs> yes. she had syphilis because she got syphilis from the guy with syphilis when he raped her with his syphilis yeah 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 and, i mean antibiotics won't take away um tiger demons it just won't <laughs> <laughs> I uh, where where do we even start with this? Like that this movie is honestly changes not only tone but plot about ten times throughout the movie. Yeah. It's like, like just anytime you think you're starting to get a handle on what the movie is, it just completely changes into an entirely different movie. And it doesn't really care about making those transitions natural or in any way. Like it is always so abrupt and whatever. It's like, you know what? Just keep it moving. Keep it like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. N- none of the plot or anything matters. It's all like overly convoluted or underly convoluted. Who cares? We yeah, just want like, Sonny Chiba to be running around beating the shit out of people and, and having, having sex, sex with, with random women. women. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's very much a film noir. This yes. this movie kicks off with him feeling the need to investigate a strange death. Yeah. And he gets wrapped up in things he does not understand. Nor do we. But <laughs> nor does the director. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's a it has a buried film noir beginning for me. It's it, it, you know, yeah. people usually just get ripped open in the middle of the street, you know, by <laughs> tiger demons. <laughs> But it's, it's a, a death that he tiger doesn't demon. understand, and he's going to get to the bottom of it. Damn it! You know, 
Yeah, I love the the opening scene. How like there's just this. It, it, this is a movie that starts at eleven. Like you just, it just <laughs> kicks off with like. For one thing, the the opening shot of this movie is just like a shot of the beach with like wild acid rock playing in the background, like just super aggressively. <laughs> I, I and it has nothing that, to do with anything in the movie. Like well, it never I thought comes that that back. was like the um uh, like the movie studio, you know, kind of like with Universal where they have like the world or with TriStar. Oh, maybe with it the, is. So I didn't think that that was part of the movie i thought that just whatever the production company was that their intro is just yeah a, a beach with acid rock wailing guitars you which, might be I right mean, that's but, that is the best way to start every movie but i mean honestly though it, it definitely tells you exactly what you're getting yourself into and also nothing about what you're getting yourself into at the same time but yeah it kicks off with this guy just like running through the street away from nothing and then he basically just he doesn't explode necessarily but like his body just like starts getting gashes in it and then Sonny Chiba is the perfect audience surrogate in that moment because the way that he looks at this guy and just like utter bewilderment is like exactly how every single person watching the movie feels in that moment like what the f*** is happening it's so good so maybe this movie does need to be paired with It Follows (laughs) <laughs> no, because this actually uh, does give some character depth. And... Oh. <laughs> boo. What? I care about these characters. I, I care when... It's, 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 I, I'm just putting that together. It's sex-related. It's something yeah. no one else can see. You know what? That actually would make a great pairing. This one's yeah. a lot more fun, but a great oh, pairing. Oh, man. That's pretty good, yeah. Um... So yeah, and then it cuts to incredible opening credits that feel like, again, out of a totally different movie where they're black and white and it's showing people being massacred and you have no idea why. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's impossible to go through every single thing in this uh, plot, but the basics of it is um, Sonny Chiba is a werewolf. His entire clan was slaughtered by people. Um in, in like a very sad humanizing way because you see him like he's the little kid uh, yeah. that you see his entire family get slaughtered around him i it doesn't make any sense anyways he's a <laughs> werewolf um the rest of his family is dead and then there is this girl who used to be a singer in a band she fell in love with a politician's daughter or do- politician's son mm-hmm. and they were going to get married but the politician didn't want that because he wanted his son to marry like into money and so yeah. the politician got the record um uh, producer the like president of the record company to get one of his other bands to rape her and give her syphilis and get her addicted to smack so that the politician's son would leave her because she yes. now had syphilis and yes. now even though she's addicted to smack and has syphilis, somehow she also has a tiger demon that <laughs> can kill people with her anger. And so the yeah. the people that start dying are the guys in the band that raped her. And Sonny Chiba is just following this path. And then it gets weird from there. Sonny Chiba in this movie is basically like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like he's there, but he's never, he never really has any effect on the plot or anything. It's in Wolf Guy. He just gets wrapped up in it. 
well in wolf guy the lost ark is the uh the plot the character mm-hmm. arc yeah <laughs> exactly See what I did there? oh man yeah it, one thing too like i well i don't, I don't know if i want to jump into this quite yet but when you describe it that way what what it really and you don't realize this until like way on into the movie because it, it has all these like flashbacks and stuff. But at a certain point I was like, holy shit, this is an X-Men movie. Like this is a movie, this is a movie about a woman who suffers a severe trauma and it causes her to become a mutant, which is, you know, in the X-Men movies that is, you know, some people it's genetic. And then for some people it's something that is caused by like a very severe trauma, like Magneto, well, it's, it's genetic in everyone. Of, it, it's well, genetic yeah, in everyone, but for some it people, it's right. There, it's a much stronger trauma. gene in some people, so it's just there. For other people, the trauma is kind of what releases it. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then of course to uh, like so, man. I, I, again, I have no idea where to even begin go with this. There's, well, my mind is going in so many different directions. There's a fight scene. Since we're talking about X Men, there's a fight scene towards the end. Which is so dumb. Oh, my God. It's so dumb. By the way, spoilers all over this. Like, we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. But also, it can't be spoiled because it it's just I it, it, it's weird. This movie's real weird. And I love it. It's just weird. <clears throat> There's a fight scene towards the end where one of the guys uh, has Sonny Chiba's blood infused into him. So he is also <laughs> a wolf guy, which is also dumb. Um, but that fight scene which is one of the most anticlimactic climactic fight scenes. <laughs> oh my god, it's so amazing. Ever. It reminded me a lot of the fight scene between Wolverine and Deadpool. Um and, and I think like around yeah, that time when we said something about X-Men and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's uh it's kind of what's happening here." But with a dumber fight. Yeah, I love the way yeah, it's like basically they they set up this huge battle between uh Sunny Chiba, who is a werewolf. And this other guy who actually kind of does look like a werewolf. I mean, he right. doesn't really transform like Sonny Chiba does, but he's much more wolfish looking. They, they give him and, some mean chops and some Wolverine hair, like with little side yeah. spikes. And then like they're about to fight and like it starts raining and storming and it's like super dramatic. And then all of a sudden the guy just falls down dead from blood poisoning <laughs> because human blood and werewolf blood can't mix. Which I don't understand because honestly, the science in this movie was very sound. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see that coming. I mean, the science so in this science. movie, which is so sound that like there are many of my favorite parts of this movie. But one of my favorite parts of this movie is at the very, very beginning when Sonny <laughs> Chiba is being questioned by the police and they're like, you just keep finding yourself uh, where trouble lands and we could arrest you for this and blah, 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 blah. And then the coroner comes in <clears throat> or another cop that just got the coroner's report or whatever. And he's like, let him go. And they're like, oh, what? It's like, yeah, I got the coroner's rep- coroner's report right here. It was a demon. Like, <laughs> yeah, they say, hold on. I, no, like whenever this this scene happened, I literally wrote this down. And then in my notes, I wrote, this is the greatest movie ever made because it says the autopsy results are in a demon. And they're like, yes, it's the only possible explanation. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> my, my notes, official autop- autopsy was demon. <laughs> like, n- not official <laughs> autopsy results that's and, so and that's what i love so much about it it's not we have the autopsy report 
and it's unexplainable. And yeah. then, like, their superstition comes in of, like, oh, well, it must be a demon then. N- none of that. None of the, like, well, there's all of these claw marks. Like, yeah. this is the claw marks of a wolf. What? It couldn't be a wolf. It must have been. Like, there's none of that sort of back and forth of we can't explain this through science. Then it must be supernatural. But supernatural can't be explained. Exactly. That's why it's supernatural. There's none of that conversation. It is just straight up. Corner says demon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess it's a demon then. Yep. It's a demon. Oh, man. Yeah. I love the no nonsense I... <laughs> approach to the plot in this movie. It's like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't at all. Man, all all that I can think of is um, Southern conservatives would love for there to be autopsy reports that could just say demon. Ah, see, it proves it. <laughs> yep. Demons yeah, did absolutely. it. Oh, man. I, I, I say this living in the South. It... <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've mentioned a few times that there is a tiger demon. The tiger demon is just a a tiger that like they uh um like they fade in and it's just standing there. Like they fade in, they zoom in, they zoom back out and then someone has slashes all over them. Yeah. Couldn't they have filmed a a tiger roaring? Like couldn't they have gotten the MGM logo and just painted him <laughs> black and I, I orange. feel like they just I feel like they just went to a zoo that day and like kept trying to taunt the tiger but the tiger was just really tired so they came back to the director like the, the second AD came back is like this is all we got man <laughs> that tiger went like, through a damn thing <laughs> they're like it's fine we'll uh we'll put some cool shimmery effects on the frame <laughs> like like they lit a fire under the camera and made this the, the, yeah. the screen shimmer yeah, like uh, the, they're like it'll work we'll make it work the, the tiger doesn't roar he doesn't move it, it just stands there yeah like, kind of like he, he kind of like it's like filming the tiger from behind and he kind of like turns around and looks over his shoulder from behind like <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's so good the tiger demon has as much personality as it follows is what we're saying. So <laughs> I'm not even, not even going to, not just even going to dead man. Still <laughs> just as dead. It's true with just as much sense. Um, yeah. So, so all of the back and forth and all of the jumping around, honestly is part of what made this movie so much fun because if they had tried to give a coherent story beginning, middle and end, I don't know if it would have been sustainable with what they were doing. I think that Mm. there could have been a sustainable story in there, but there's just so much that's thrown into it. And every time that there was a, well, the story's starting to slow down, we could put in some character or plot development, or we could just completely change directions. Let's change directions. You know, like, it's just... It definitely feels like one of those screenwriting experiments where it's like, okay, every 15 pages, as soon as I feel like I'm starting to go into some kind of conventional territory, I'm just going to do a total about face and just surprise myself. Yeah, they've got like those story story cubes that you can shake out that have like different characters and plots on them. exactly yeah. yeah but but to be fair though that that assumes that this movie had like an actual screenplay and that they actually followed it the entire time no i think that this did have a team of about 15 writers um but those 15 writers were very obviously role-playing the um the tea party scene in alice in wonderland where every 15 minutes change places <laughs> and they just like yes. look at the last five words just and a woman rode up on a motorcycle all right 
How, Sonny that. Chiba Banger? Sure, why not? I love that that woman just showed up completely out of nowhere, has <laughs> sex with him, and then you never see her again. So there no, was no, you just see her again. Oh, briefly. <laughs> this is what, uh, is she the woman in the, later on in the movie who rescues him from the facility? She's the woman who then shows up to get him, like, taken to the facility to then save him from the facility to then again. save him, yes, yeah, so yes. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's so amazing. And, so like, she's I the greatest the- ride share ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the best part, like, she comes out of nowhere and first of all, there, there's a hilarious line where Sonny Chiba's like, I knew you were a woman from the first moment I saw you. And it's like, yeah, so did everyone else watching this movie. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Well, to be fair, then- <laughs> that's just after she said something about, like, surprised I'm a woman. And it's just like, no. Yeah. No, not at all. And then what's funny is, like, she's like, yes, I've rescued you. And then she immediately, like, unzips the outfit she's wearing. Like, she's wearing, like, a motorcycle suit. And then she's wearing nothing underneath it, of course. So she immediately is like, I'm just a woman who wants an animal. And then, of course, they have sex. And it's like, I don't know. It's just so weird. <laughs> Which I... I th- I think that Teen Wolf took a lot of cues from this movie um, <laughs> because the the scene where the cheerleader or whoever says to Michael J. Fox, I don't want the man, I want the wolf or whatever that line is. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much the plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Just all, all the women who fall in love with Sonny Chiba. They just want his wolfness. But, but yeah. what particularly about him is animalistic in most scenes you know i mean maybe he's got some wolf anatomy which i i have to assume with human anatomy because like there's barbs that help keep the dogs connected (laughs) it's just oh my god there has to be some sort of pheromone thing like i literally like because one of the things i want to talk about is the idea that sunny chiba is a werewolf because at no point does he ever really like the movie builds up the idea that like on the 15th day of the lunar cycle is when he really werewolves out and then he just doesn't. He's just extra strong and cool. But like one of the things that I kept asking myself is like, what are his actual werewolf powers? Like he can heal from gunshot wounds. Truth. He can he can scare his intestines back inside. He didn't scare out. his intestines. He pulled himself into the moon. The moon healed his belly. <laughs> sure. Also, that is a great scene. <laughs> Oh man, I really love awesome, like when their yeah. intestines are all wiggly and just wiggles back inside. <laughs> so awesome. It's great. Um one of it's my like favorite a can of worms in reverse. The <laughs> yeah, big explodey like prank worms. It or really is snakes, a, rather. An awesome an awesome scene. Um my favorite werewolf power is that he can throw coins really hard. Like in one of the <laughs> and scenes he's and yes. accurately, yeah. In one of the scenes, he sneaks into a compound and he throws coins at people as if he is shooting a silenced pistol and taking them out with with coins. It's amazing. Um, the other powers, let's see here. He can solve mysteries without trying because <laughs> there's there's like a scene where he's trying to figure out where Miki is. Miki, I think, is that her name? Miki? Uh, anyway, yeah. um, he's trying to figure out where she is and dude's like, oh uh, yeah, she uh, is in strip clubs. She's at a strip club. I don't know where she is though. And then he immediately finds her at a strip club. <laughs> um, and then um, he can do a lot of cool flips. And then of course, uh, the last most uh, most notable power is that women always take their clothes off within 10 minutes of meeting him and then are willing to die for him Yes, and do die for him. Every yes. woman who falls in love with him dies tragically (laughs) 
It is. Oh my gosh! It's There's... it's it's so problematic that it that it's almost endearing. Like it's almost like this is such a violent like movie that really kind of takes itself so seriously and is very like like you said it's it's very well fits in the exploitation drama a uh, genre but there's something about it that like it's so earnest that it almost feels like kind of cute and innocent despite like all the horrible things that are happening on screen like there's like even like the, the one of the I, I i struggle with like rape revenge movies because of the rape scenes like it's something that's so hard to sit through but even during the rape scene in this film there's like a guy in the background doing an insane drum solo, mm-hmm. and it and it's like it's like okay, th- this movie's making some wild choices, and even during the moments that I was afraid I would be uncomfortable, and I'm still like totally into whatever absurd wavelength this thing is on. Yeah, when I first saw that scene, I thought maybe that was like two different scenes, kind of super. Yeah. and then when the cat, I'm like, nope, he's in the room. Nope, All he's right. just hanging out. <laughs> well, I mean, I. I was going to make a joke, but it was in very poor taste. So now here's the thing that's so absurd about that scene. Aside from the fact that it is so absurd that a dude is just playing drums while the rest of his band members are raping this woman. You just said like, okay, it's so weird that it kind of takes you out of it. But also um, it's, it's not overly graphic in what it shows, but at the same time, it's pretty graphic in what it shows. Like uh, it, it is one of the only movies that I've, well, is it? I don't know. Anyways, uh, when I was watching it, it instantly made me think of Death Wish and Jeff Goldblum's character when he rapes the wife and daughter. Oh, and yeah, there is a it, shot. Yeah, that's true. There is a shot that's very reminiscent of that. Yeah. And and again, like it, it doesn't show graphically in terms of like you don't actually see penetration, but what it's actually showing is just like that's that that's uncomfortable to watch like just in terms of how they are filming it and especially knowing the trauma that she experienced afterwards and then mm. going back and seeing what happened it's just like yeah that's an odd time for a drummer to be drumming but i i, I mean someone had to play the porno music because <laughs> Let's talk about the music for a second. We're, we're going to come back to the uh, rape revenge because that's one of the bigger themes that I want to talk about. But <clears throat> the music in this film is incredible. No. Yes. It's incredible. <laughs> it's it's maybe the best <laughs> part of the movie, I think. Like, it is so, it's always so fitting and it mixes so many. Like, there's, like, it starts off with, like, the, the kind of acid rock psychedelic stuff and then it's got some like funk in there some nice porno sounding music and then later on in the movie when it becomes like a government conspiracy we're training this woman to be like a manchurian candidate style like a ass- or well assassinating political people it then like goes into like this weird like synth synthy mm-hmm. kind of futuristic stuff and it always like none of it makes any sense but it always makes perfect sense for whatever is happening in the movie it's so good (laughs) it's so so absurd and uh yeah i I think that someone forgot to tell the music director this isn't a porno or maybe they didn't tell him that on purpose because at some (laughs) points 
it kind of is a porno. I'm I'm pretty sure that Kazuhiko uh, Kazuhiko uh, Yamaguchi, the director of this film, has made a number of like softcore porn movies based on his IMDb. So, <laughs> well, and based on his directing of the love scenes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. Oh God! All right. So, <clears throat> speaking of uh, speaking of the love scenes, and by love scenes, I mean. Going back a second and speaking of uh, the the rape revenge, I I kind of wish that that had been a bigger plot point in this movie. Like I, I feel like that is where this movie had the strongest theme, um, because like very early on you have again the flashbacks of Sonny Chiba's entire family getting killed, and his mom saying to him essentially now you have to wipe out all of humanity because you're the last surviving uh, werewolf of the, I forget what clan they said, um, like in- Inuagi, I think. Doesn't um, matter. Inugami. <clears throat> Inugami. So yeah, you're, you're the last of our clan. You essentially have to go kill all of the people. So you've got some of his trauma and how he is coping with living in the world. <clears throat> and then you have that paired with uh, Miki, Mi- Mika, Miki, whatever her name is, you have it paired with her trauma of being raped and now addicted to drugs. Mm. And because she now has this super tiger demon power to be able to kill people without even being near them, like she just thinks about it uh, and and they die. It's very Stranger Things 11-ish. And with uh, Sonny Chiba's character of having his werewolf powers, like this movie starts down a path of weaponizing trauma uh mm. even in terms of like the um uh even in terms of like the drug lords keeping people addicted to drugs because when they're addicted like then they have to keep coming back to them then they have to keep fueling their money and like there's just a lot of really really dark heavy themes in this mm-hmm. that i think could have made this an incredibly strong like actual drama with some supernatural elements. This movie's insane and a lot of fun, and I love it for that. But it it, it it introduces these themes in a way that I feel like could have been incredibly uh, incredibly powerful, even mm-hmm. down to the fact <clears throat> that, again, like a politician is the one pulling these strings and then having a company do the dirty work. And the company does the dirty work by having the band members do the dirty work. Mm -hmm. And Oh, super quick. I love the fact that the name of the band is just mobs or the mobs or the mob. Anyways, Uh, there's a, yeah, the, the name of the band is mob when there's like an actual Yakuza mob. And it's just, it would be like having, It'd be like having a band here just called gang members. Isn't it like the Manabe mob or maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking of the actual gang in the movie. I think you're thinking of the actual gang because the band is just called like the mobs. You might be right. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't really tell which group was which in this movie because like it, it just zooms through the plot stuff. And like whenever people talk about who's manipulating who and doing this, like it's, it's, it, I don't think the movie really cares that much about making it easy to follow. Um, and to a certain extent, I almost think it works in the favor because like the idea is because it's higher ups delegating, you know, these awful tasks to other people below them. It almost makes sense for that. Like the whole point is to obscure the trail and make it hard to figure out who's actually in charge. 
who's actually ordering this. I think they just wanted to write in new characters to have more people to die. Probably. (laughs) But but the thing that makes it so interesting, especially comparing it to other rape revenge films, and and this there is a rape revenge element, but it's not a rape revenge movie. Like I I wouldn't put it in that category, even though it totally is. But the thing that's so fascinating about it is with most rape revenge films, you have the victim who was raped and then they become empowered and say, all right, because of this trauma, now I am going to turn this evil back onto you. And so it's not like someone has to go through a trauma in order to gain any sort of power, but it's because of this terrible thing that was enacted upon me, you're going to get your comeuppance. Like you are going to have evil done to you. Mm Mm-hmm. But but there is that level of empowerment, and like that's one of the things that makes rape revenge movies such a, a tricky genre, because it's like, yeah, they are absolutely exploitation and objectification, but also, if you watch a, a rape revenge movie and you're like, yeah, like when the rape part happens, like something's wrong with you. If you were watching that as like an erotic movie, no, if mm. you should be watching rape revenge movies like good the rapists are getting punished for the evil that they are doing good like it should be a very uncomfortable catharsis with wolf guy she is taking revenge but it's almost like out of her power like she is almost like not even doing it because she wants to and then the people Mm -hmm. in power again they uh they're weaponizing it they're like oh here we can turn this against our enemies and she essentially becomes just this mindless drone who has no agency whatsoever and i just think that's a really fascinating element that you don't get in a lot of rape revenge movies in terms of in in terms of the incredibly destructive power but also how it sucks away so much of of a person's humanity when they are also enacting evil on others even when they have done evil and and so it's mm. just again like that could have been an incredibly fascinating way to take this movie and it just i think they just needed it to have a tiger demon <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate that like they, I mean, Sonny Chiba is great, but yeah, like the, the B plot of the movie that he's just stumbled his way into is, is a lot more interesting and it would have been more interesting, I think, to follow Miki and, you know, everything that she's going through. Um, I do like, I mean, one thing that is really interesting that makes a lot of the, a lot of the like misogynistic things that happen in this movie at least a little bit more a little bit more tolerable is i don't think it's a misogynistic movie other than you know and just in the in terms of like it's a grindhouse flick that loves to show boobs and you know it's definitely getting women to get naked all the time because you know that's what people want out of these movies right um but i do like that almost every single scene where sunny chiba gets into a fight he has to be rescued by a woman Mm -hmm. Um, like almost every single scene of the movie he is about to be killed or he's about to be captured or tortured or whatever and then a woman comes to his rescue who you know then those women always unfortunately die for him which is which is definitely they come to his rescue and then immediately you're like oh here now you can have your way with me yeah it's it's here you can have your way with me and um i can't believe these people are trying to kill you i'm going to die for yeah i mean it's 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 got some problematic stuff but i do like that it shows that these women are powerful and that he needs them. Um, so, you know, there, there's, that's, 
you know, kind of how I'm justifying it, at least, I guess. Well, that, that really comes into play with the, the last female that rescues him, too. The one from the uh, opposing clan of people. Uh, Taka, I think was her name. Mother. Yeah, Taka, the one yeah. that brings in a whole lot of mommy issues into, this, yeah. <laughs> into the movie. Um, because, yeah, whereas, whereas the other ones were just kind of there to rescue him, she was destined to rescue him. You know, her, mm. she is named after his mother. We we get a you know Batman versus Superman Martha moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, we... but um, Batman <laughs> doesn't try to bang Superman's mom. Uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet there's fan fiction out there that. <laughs> of course um, it is. That rule thirty four. It's more like it's more like Iron Man trying to trying to get with Peter's aunt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but she she rescues him. Um, she's the one who I don't want to say in, endorses what his powers are, but you know she's like, no, this is you, this is what you are. This is who you are. Um, this is my my purpose here is to. I'm guessing if she doesn't die, help move the clan back into population. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so at least. At least her willing to sex him up is is written in the stars, maybe. <laughs> it's divine Whereas intervention. Whereas the other ones are just kind of hot for him. Um, Man, he at the very least does turn down Mika when she throws herself at him. You know, kind of. It's, it's interesting because like, he turns but, down when she says something about like, "Could you love me?" Because it seemed like they yeah. were about to get it on. And then yeah. she was something like, could you love me knowing that I have syphilis? And he's just like, uh... Oh, shit, yeah. He's like, sure, <laughs> yeah, let me show you. That's such a can, weird scene, can yeah. like catch he, syphilis? Which, first of all, I want to point out, too, like, the we talked about mom like the mommy issue kind of stuff in this movie that one thing I was thinking about uh, is during that scene with Miki he that's when the flashback is actually triggered like when you actually (laughs) understand the flashback in context like when he starts to like make love to her that's when he starts thinking about his mom dying so there's there's a whole lot of weird mommy issues where he's thinking about his 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 dead mom every time he has sex with someone yeah her nipples are a literal emotional touchstone for him yeah literally that scene is so wild because it's like she is she's so traumatized by what's happened you know she's lost the love of her life because she's been raped and has syphilis and she's like no one will ever love me i have nothing you would never love me and then he shows that he would love her and she's like oh wait hold on a minute uh no just stop don't love me i don't (laughs) i don't actually want you to do this i just didn't think you would yeah um and yeah i don't know it's just it's like basically like she realizes that he's a good guy like she is almost he's almost like his i don't know it's weird because it it could be played as if he is sort of taking advantage of her but it's meant to show that he actually cares about her yeah and then that also becomes a little bit more problematic later on the movie when he just straight up goes oh it she's she's the government's got her he's she's doomed i'm just gonna leave and forget about it <laughs> yeah. i'm just gonna go get back to my roots it's like wait what <laughs> <laughs> so oh, man as we were talking about all of the mommy issues uh and all of the uh sex in this movie 
I've watched a lot of movies recently, and so I can't remember if this happened in Wolf Guy or if this was in one of the other movies that I watched recently. Is there a scene where there's a naked woman and her boobs turn into the mountains, or was that one of the other movies that I watched? I don't. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, that's um. Sorry, that's in uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. I was going to say, that seems far too artistic for this film. Yeah, (laughs) it is. This film did not have good editing along scene transitions. (laughs) There there were no fades whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I also watched Brotherhood of the Wolf, which Mm. is also an incredible pairing with Wolf Guy, because I could have sworn for the last however long that movie has been out that it was a werewolf movie, Mm -hmm. and it is not. And it it also switches genres. It's a buddy Mm. cop war period romance. uh, Yeah, but Brotherhood of the Wolf is so much more artistically done. It's I I was impressed. We we will eventually cover that that one. Is this an is that a Neil Jordan movie? No, is that who? Not it's it's French. What am I thinking? Oh, it's Christoph King. Okay, I don't know what Neil Jordan did. A did he do a werewolf movie? I don't know. He did in the Company of Wolves. That's what I'm thinking of in the Company of Wolves. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. There's a scene where the main guy is having sex with a, um, uh, a, not really a courtesan, but a brothel worker. And yeah, like her boobs turn into the mountains and it's, <laughs> it's silly, but it also makes sense in context. And for a minute, I had that confused with Wolf Guy. And it would have made sense because there is a lot of uh, Sonny Chiba like returning to nature, returning to where his clan originally lived. And it would have made sense to have some of that mother's milk returning him to the uh, natural environment. But no, wrong movie. <laughs> it's wrong. But speaking of mother's milk, man, Freud would have had a field day with Sonny Chiba, his character, not actual Sonny Chiba, with his character's relationship with women in this movie, especially with Taka, because he, he when this, doesn't... When this scene happened, I literally thought, I was like, all right, we're going to have to endure another Freud, Freud yes. pep talk from Nathan on this episode. Great. Yep. Because, like, yeah, fine, Sonny Chiba's kind of like, oh, you're naked, cool. But it's not until she says, my name is Taka, and he's like, Taka, oh, and like then he has the flashback of his mom, and when he was four or five and still yeah, breastfeeding, had, was... which is fine. There are some mothers that breastfeed much, mm. much, much longer than other people would, so nothing super weird about that in terms of just breastfeeding an older child. But what is weird is it transitioned from his flashback of breastfeeding his mom, breastfeeding from his mom, straight into to uh nuzzling in not even nuzzling like taka uh, the current taka not his mom like straight up just like shoves his head into her chest like yeah. a forced motorboat and he's just kind of like i am reborn you have rebirthed me so now let's bang well it's he said so... something like you are my you are my wife and my mother or something too like oh it yep it's weird it's super weird. It's just weird. That's all I. Yep. That's all I got to say about that. But, but thankfully, with every woman in this film, she doesn't survive long enough for it to stay weird. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay, we gave you that taste of weirdness. Don't worry, she's gonna die now. <laughs> Fast. 
through the tiger demon. He'll be he'll be free to live live out the rest of his days as a hermit in the <laughs> in the hills. He's just going to go find another woman and to save her from saving him by oh, they'll her find dying. Him. He won't find her. They will find him. <laughs> yeah, for as awesome as a kung fu werewolf as he is, uh he's not always that good at not getting caught yeah. by a gun. He's no. so bad. I, I picture like oh, man. he'll be up in the mountains going for a swim in the stream, get caught up in the current when we'll have to be rescued by like a fisher lady, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, one of my favorite scenes, again, this entire movie is one of my favorite scenes, is when he's surrounded by all of those hunters whose parents killed his entire clan. Mm. And like he does his big werewolf jump out of the center of them and lands into a net. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh my god, that's so amazing because that net comes out of nowhere. <laughs> He's like, yeah, werewolf powers. No, now I'm stuck. And it's like, it's like not even a big net either. It's like just large enough to hold him. And it's like of all the places he had to jump. <laughs> so good. Which oh is god, which also so makes funny. for a very uh very odd pairing with Riccio, because there's also a scene in Ricky where uh, where Riccio's jumping out of danger and lands on a trapdoor and instantly falls down. It's <laughs> it is absurd how these movies uh unintentionally oh appeared as well as they did. Um I was gonna save this for our lightning round, but I have to mention it now. You you said the word trapdoor, uh, and that, that triggered me. This movie has my favorite trapdoor gag of all time. The scene where he, I, like, I laughed my ass off when this happened. So there's a scene where he is broken out of his prison or whatever after he's pulled his intestines back in. And he's running down the a hallway. The moon healed his intestines. The moon healed his intestines, whatever. Um, doesn't matter. He's running down a hallway and all of a sudden the floor falls out from under him like a trap door falls out. And there are these inexplicable monkey bars above the trap door. It's just there. It's like, oh, awesome. I can jump up and grab these monkey bars so I can get over the trap door. And he jumps up. And as soon as he jumps up, the monkey bars go, nope, I'm going to electrocute you. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, whoever made this totally did this to just fuck with whoever didn't fall in the trap door and that is amazing like that is so funny to me the idea that like hey let's put a trap door here give them some hope to think maybe i'm gonna not fall in this trap door and then electrocute that fucker that's so funny oh man that's so funny that is a perfect analogy for this and then film. of course he and yes he falls in the trap door which yeah it's so good where you think that one thing's gonna happen it gives you hope of something else. It completely <laughs> dashes your expectations and then sends you back into where you didn't think that you were going anyways. And then like, Absolutely. there's that super weird scene. Sorry, I don't mean to turn this into just a bunch of, hey, there's this weird scenes. But honestly, how else can we talk about this? Then there's that super weird scene where he's fighting all of those guys. Like It's uh, become more of a super spy prison breakout movie. And you have all of the guys like sliding down the laundry chutes to attack yeah. him, <laughs> and he fights for like five seconds, and then then there's all of this gas. It's just they release the gas. It's like why didn't why did they send a whole bunch of men in there and then release the gas? <laughs> he was already trapped. Oh man, so funny. It's almost like this movie was made from the leftover bit. This movie is a casserole, is what it is. It's like oh, yeah. they had all of these ideas. They're all good in their own right, but not really enough for a full meal. 
someone said, fuck it, let's put it all together and, <laughs> and then put some breading on it. And in this case, the breading is a werewolf. And, and there's your movie. <laughs> One of the funniest things, too, is that this is a movie called Wolf Guy. And it has it encompasses so many different genres, and the genre that it probably represents the least is the werewolf genre. <laughs> Dude, it's you a, didn't. It's a, it's a very misleading title. Not only a misleading title, you forgot to mention like the the subtitle of this movie. Oh yeah, the greatest subtitle of all time. Enraged, Enraged lycanthrope. <laughs> Which is the funniest part about he's, that too is that Sonny Chiba is never really at mad. Like he always is just he's like a little yeah. lost puppy dog. He just yeah, kind of coasts from here to there. You almost expect him based on that title to gain more powers, like like the Hulk, the angrier. Yeah. Yes. But that is yeah, that is never the case in this movie. He doesn't his emotional range is not hot, not varied in this film at all. The, you know, the he, angriest he ever gets is when he just politely explains that he has he much like syphilis he has caught the uh oh, how do they put it it's like the only quote on imdb i'll have to look it up he he says something like i have a uh, game oh, shit i can't remember exactly what it is but basically he's just saying like i've learned that the worst disease is human humankind um basically and that and that's part of the reason why he decides to be like after he escapes the prison he's like well fuck it Miki's been been captured. I'm not going to be able to do anything to save her, so I'm just going to go live live in the in the hills and reconnect with my werewolf roots. Yeah. Uh, the exact becomes, quote is: "There is a nastier pathogen than syphilis. It's yes. the one that we call <laughs> hatred of humans." I had clearly caught that infection from Mickey. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Oh man! And again, such a great theme. Like this movie, very easily could have been. Uh, like Sonny Chiba using his, oh, I'm a private detective or a television reporter or whatever the hell he is. Again, it makes no sense. There's no connection to what he allegedly is and what he's actually doing. But this could have been almost like a uh, uh, like Nightcrawler-esque movie where he's going to all of these uh, like dark and seedy places. But rather than reporting on them, he is causing some of the trauma or, you know, again very directly tying with it but like he could be doing some of this evil to then be reporting on it and then also using that as his way to clean up humanity and, and get rid mm. of the scourge like this could have been a great pairing with taxi driver this could have been this could have been so much more than it was i'm glad that it mm. wasn't man there's so many like actual heavy themes that are introduced that go nowhere like yeah with the whole i'm an enraged lycanthrope and uh the uh, hatred of humanity is the only pathogen worse than syphilis. Mm. Also, aren't there other diseases worse than syphilis? Really, it jumps straight from syphilis to hatred. I actually That's... had to Google to see. It. I'm like, why is syphilis such a problem at this in this film? It's, she should have gone and seen a doctor, and that would have been taken. So I was like, I was I was googling to make sure that they could cure syphilis at that point, which they could. Like. Medicine had advanced as far enough that you could get rid of syphilis by just going to a doctor. And <laughs> nobody apparently thought to tell her that. Maybe it was a period piece and set in an earlier time than mm. the modernity that's shown with cars. I don't know. I wonder if, um, if like the fact that she is addicted to drugs has anything to do with it. Like, I wonder if maybe I don't know what the drug laws would have been like in in Japan at that point, but. Um, but like they, I mean, I mean, and two, she could have just, I mean, the fact that she is 
suffering from an addiction as well could just yeah. meet part of the reason that she is not in her right state of mind. She's more concerned well, about like getting a fix and that's that's how they control her essentially that would have made that. sense for her like that would have made sense if the only plot point of well she's not seeking treatment because blah 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 that makes sense mm. but the fact that part of the plot is everyone is scared to be with her because she has syphilis like that's where some of the mm. can't they fix this by now can't they yeah just give you drugs for syphilis that i think is where the bigger plot point comes in well, i also of, could, couldn't they have just yeah. fixed that I also think, too, I mean, this movie, despite how uh, exploitative it is of women, seemingly, like, it feels like it tries to be empathetic to, like, a woman's place in the world and the way that men treat women. Like, there's one thing that I, I just remembered is there's the the scene where um, uh, Akira, that is Sonny Chiba's character's mm-hmm. name, which I, I swear to is you, it, for, is, for most is this of an the Akira movie, prequel? <laughs> For most of the movie, I thought that his name was just Wolf because people kept referring to him as Wolf. It's not till the like very end of the movie that they ever referred to him as Akira, which is weird. Um, but there's the scene where like he goes to find Miki at the strip club very easily, and it shows. I don't know if it shows. There's like a stripping scene, but then after that, like she comes out and she starts singing a song about tigers tearing you up and yeah, like, I, blood is on. revenge. And I wrote I wrote down the lyrics of this. So oh, hold good. On. It says. A woman's nails are the claws of a tiger in the darkness of this jungle of a world. A woman's grudge swirls around a stark red flower of blood opening up. Who called for the tiger's claws? Uh, tear, shri- tear shred ripped to pieces. It's your destiny to die insane. So that's interesting. But what's even more interesting is like she's basically coming out in the only forum that she has available to her, which is a strip club, and she is bearing her soul to these men and they immediately start like pelting her with garbage. Yeah. And it's like, man, it's really sad that like to see that scene. And it, it, this movie is such a contradiction. Cause again, it definitely revels in naked women, you know, dying for men. But at the same time, like it, in that moment, they want you to feel empathy for her. She has gone through something traumatic and she, this is her only outlet and she is, you know, treated like shit for it. it it's really sad. Well, and again, like even the lyrics to that song of uh, uh, like, this is the woman's place in the world and we're going to destroy you and blah, 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 blah. Again, like there's a lot of thematic elements there that could make this a much stronger movie rather Mm -hmm. than just Sonny Chiba punching some things. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I yeah, I, I have a few more things to say, but most of the things that I have left to say are in our uh, lightning ground where they don't really warrant that much discussion. They're just uh, some little highlights that, oh, man, I have to mention. <clears throat> are there any other like major themes about this movie that uh, that either of you want to discuss before we start diving into some of our lightning points? No, I, think I, think- I think we've covered the themes yeah. <laughs> pretty well. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> since we're talking about uh, some of the dialogue in terms of the lyrics of that song, I want to mention the most unfortunate dialogue in the entire movie. When Sonny is at the uh, the, the gang's headquarters and uh, I, I don't even understand like what's happening there, like they've run 
it's not even a, a, a casino. It was more like just a supermarket, it looked like. But there's whatever front it is. And then he has his gang underneath. And, um, you know, that that's where they're divvying up the drugs to do whatever. And then he has these hidden doors, you know, kind of like a game show. But rather than prizes, he has the people that he's capturing and torturing. Mm. And one of the people that, uh, that the uh, gang leader has captured... I don't even know who he is. Was that supposed to be like his other reporter friend from the beginning, or is it just some random dude? Doesn't matter. There oh, yeah, is a guy no who is standing on like a, like an oil barrel on, on its side. So, you know, it rolls with a noose around his neck. And uh, after Sonny kills all the people or after someone else kills him, doesn't matter. After the people are dead and Sonny's actually able to help him, the guy slips and uh, and he's hanging and dying. And Sonny takes him down and and is trying to save him. And his words of encouragement to try to keep his friend alive, who had just died by hanging, honest to God, was hang in there. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. I didn't even catch that. There's no other words that they could have had him say besides hang in there. To the guy that had just been in the news for how long? It's so. Oh funny. God, it's so funny. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh at that scene. It, it's not funny, but I couldn't help. <clears throat> oh man, I already mentioned so the fact funny. that the autopsy report is a demon. That's just awesome. It it's just something. Um, at, at the very beginning of the movie, when the guy is running through and being chased by said demon on the autopsy report, and he's in the middle of the road, and all of these cars like start crashing into each other and like start screeching to a halt. Mm. Where the hell are those cars going? Because he's in an intersection with like it's like a six or eight point intersection, and <laughs> all of the cars are driving towards the middle. <laughs> they are single lane roads and they're all driving in. There's no space for any of the other cars to get out. He's in the middle of a destruction derby. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, what, where were they supposed to be going and how were they supposed to get through? Maybe they all just, they all just really hate when people jaywalk. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a law that like, if someone's jaywalking, you are allowed to hit them. <laughs> but it just, it doesn't make any sense. I was so confused in that scene. Maybe like that's the only place that they had to to film, but it made no <laughs> sense. Oh, man. <sighs> so good. That's it. That's all I got. That's all you got. Um, all right. Let's see here. So a uh, couple things I wanted to mention. So there are, a, there are two moments in particular in this movie where somebody will say something and the movie, like the actual visual portions of the movie, directly contradict what they are saying. And I find it really hilarious. There's a scene early on where um, the the friend guy that you were talking about at the beginning is talking about how, um, you know, there are already certain members of the mobs who have been killed. Um, and in there are two people. And he in both cases, he says that they both died instantly. And it shows you a flashback of those scenes. And in the first one, a guy gets like a huge slash across his face. He's like having sex with his girlfriend, of course. And he gets a huge slash across his face and he's screaming in agony and he is 100% not dying instantly at all. (laughs) And then in the second person who dies, who also died instantly. And as, and that's a quote from the movie, his car explodes 
And then it shows him outside of the car after it has exploded, bleeding from his face, not dying instantly at all, which is hilarious. <laughs> Maybe <My> instantly other... <laughs> is like a relative term, you know, like died instantly as instantly in usually within means... a few minutes rather than like died hours later as they were trying to save him. I mean, instantly usually means that, like, as soon as you have suffered the impact, you are dead. No, I understand what words mean. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the director doesn't. Uh, the other, My other favorite part is there is a scene where somebody mentions that there is no way to prove Miki's powers using modern science. He says, like, there's no way to prove it using modern science, but it's true that she has a, her grudge can kill people. And then the next scene, they empirically prove by having her in a room demonstrating her powers against someone. Like, they literally use science to show that she can do this to prove to the higher-ups so they can then use her as a weapon. So, that's hilarious. They already had proof. The autopsy report at the beginning. It was a demon. (laughs) Oh man! Um, I also love that in you get uh, the scene where Miki is in her bedroom and there is an enormous poster of her above her bed. I assume it's of her. There is a woman. There's a huge poster of a woman above her bed at the very least. That is just a weird detail in the background that I don't understand and is never commented on. You don't have a giant wall-sized poster of yourself in your bedroom. I mean, not yet. I'm working I, on it. I mean, am, am I the weird one here? What's going on? <laughs> um. There's also one thing that I have to mention. So there's a scene where there's an assassin who comes in to kill (laughs) Sonny Chiba. (laughs) In this scene, this guy tries to shoot Sonny Chiba. He does a roll and sticks a pin in the barrel of this guy's gun, which as we all know, will automatically automatically make a gun unable to fire. This guy then pulls a mouse out of his jacket pocket and throws it across the room. I can only assume because he knows that Sonny Chiba is a werewolf and dogs will chase mice or something. I don't know. No, that's cats. I mean, I know it's a cat, but I mean, if a mouse ran across my house, my dog would probably still go crazy over it. But he distracts Sonny Chiba with his pocket mouse. (laughs) And then when Sonny Chiba turns around, he gets lassoed. This guy has a lasso that he pulls out. And <laughs> he was just trying to leash Sonny is what was going on. He, he, yeah, he literally leashes him. It's so fucking funny and amazing. And nobody ever like it, it's just totally out of nowhere. Nobody ever comments on the fact that this guy has a mouse and a lasso. It's so weird. <laughs> and when he was getting his pocket mouse, like it's such a not really suspenseful scene, but like they draw it out. Like he's sitting there for a while. Yeah. And yeah, like slowly it's... reaches in to his uh, breast pocket. You think he's going to have like a, out. a backup gun or something? Yeah, or like a shuriken <laughs> or something. And it's just like, pocket mouse, ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Del Gribble never thought to use a pocket mouse. <laughs> pocket sand. Oh, God. So uh, because good. Because sand won't die in your pocket. Um, Do- I also... <laughs> My my last what was he my, doing with a pocket mouse, see, which also probably means in the opposite pocket he probably had mouse food because he's, he's carrying around that mouse the entire time. He doesn't want a dead mouse. <laughs> and think about how much mouse poop is now in yeah. that pocket. You never know when you're going to be able to use that mouse. So. <laughs> he just it wasn't. I, mean, I like the the idea that he wasn't carrying it around because he was a werewolf. He just has a pet mouse. Yeah. That, 
that he carries around with him everywhere. And he, it was just a very fortuitous moment where he could use that mouse to his well, advantage. You know, in the in the Asian market, assassins are a dime a dozen, so you've got to set yourself apart somehow. So <laughs> this calling you know, card. Call in the guy with the pocket mouse. Bring him in. <laughs> you know? No, you, you know what was happening there. Oh, um, the the director was very, very, very subtly trying to um, have some product placement because <clears throat> you know what the assassin threw at him, right? Yes. Mickey Mouse. Because <laughs> the girl's name was Mickey or Mika. Uh, so, it was, so it was Mickey yeah. Mouse. Oh, man. Really, they were the in the pocket the of Disney. Disney. Lawyers are coming now. <laughs> it's, the, guy had, the guy had the mouse in his pocket and he was in Disney's pocket. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. And then my last little little thing is we talk about how this movie is is kind of inept the whole time, but I think that this movie, the way that it is, it, this is a movie that is filmed with so much energy and is so inventive. Like it's constantly like using all these like Dutch angles and snap zooms and this like fun soft focus photography. Like for a movie that clearly didn't have much of a budget and was like a move like a fly by the seat of its pants production, it's actually put together really well and shot really well and and like just has so much fun and energy i i really uh i really like that a lot about it so that was my well, last bit well that that leads into my my one point that we haven't talked about yet that um they knew exactly what they had to use and how best to use it because mm-hmm. when much like um, a pocket mouse like a pocket mouse <laughs> Yeah, this is like David Lynch type discovering <laughs> stuff on set. You know, like, oh, you're scary looking. Come stand behind here. You're now Bob. You're the bad guy of the entire show. Yeah, um, they they happen to just have some surgical videos, some surgical movies on hand because the, when they're going, through, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but pretty much all they did between him and the pseudo Wolverine was it was just a blood transfusion essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they they had a, they had a surgical video of an actual like invasive surgery. I think that was just to torture him. Is it though? I, <laughs> but yeah, that's I don't the know. Yeah. They, they found a way to make it work because they they had someone had a certain because that's an actual surgical video, and I'm assuming it's like someone's gallbladder okay. about to get removed or something like that. So they have that video. So let's find a way to make it work in the movie. <laughs> Which that was so fun and they put like a filter over I like I didn't even think about yeah. the fact that it might be an actual video because like I was like why are they put like it was this just too graphic for the movie and I guess if it's an actual surgery they probably yeah. Yeah, were like they, yeah okay my, they my had some uh, some pretty bloody scenes but you know, my, yeah my fiance's yeah. a nurse practitioner and she actually she participates in a lot of surgery so she when she walked she just happened to walk in during that scene <laughs> And she's like, what the fuck are you watching? Why are they, and she made, she's like, why are they using a such and such clamp? Whatever clamp they use. Oh, I'm okay, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, this is an actual surgery. What are you watching? And I'm like, oh, whole new level for this film now. But yeah, it's like you, this film seems like a hodgepodge of so much stuff because I think they had just a lot of great ideas. And we're just like, we're finding a way to make all this work. We're finding a way to put this in here somehow. Yeah. We're going to... Oh, that bad guy needs his superpower, his powers. Well, we could just do it with a simple blood transfusion, but <laughs> let's just put a filter on this cool surgical shit, <laughs> and, and then later we're going to use him to put his guts back in. You know, 
Yeah, that, oh, I think man. I think that's really what it was. Is they yeah. needed a reason to have the moon's healing powers on the werewolf, yeah. so they like that is the only scene that even gets close to his werewolfness. Mm-hmm. Is when he pulls himself, you know, on his prison bed and the moonlight shining <laughs> through, and you get that super super awesome. Like it, it must have been one of the like filmed in reverse and sped up sort of things because his oh, guts yeah. are all wiggling and sliding in. I, cool. I loved it. It was a it great, great scene. It did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think that's why they had to put the filter over the surgery video because it was probably I don't know too real for the violence of this film. Yeah, I mean it also added just a lot of really cool visuals. Maybe that's what a werewolf's guts actually look like. Maybe a werewolf's guts actually are like <laughs> neon and um, uh, <laughs> negatives and yeah, I got nothing. It's it's just radiating all of the all of the werewolf power. Oh. God, man, this movie, it was, um, it was it's a, a good thing. It's a good thing that like, uh, the blood fr- transfusion doesn't work the same way it does in like near dark. Otherwise they would have totally stripped him of his werewolf powers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, we should do a, a series sometime where blood transfusions are like a central plot point. Um, <laughs> we've got near dark and wolf guy. 28 days later even though that's uh, yeah. in the uh like unshot scenes so um yeah so wolf guy like I, I think that i mentioned this earlier but honestly i can't remember every time that it switches from one type of movie to the next it does actually make sense in terms of like there is almost a transition so it's never like wait i'm completely lost you know like i followed what was happening the entire movie there is no resolution like maybe like one or two loose ends that are actually tied up but there's so much that's introduced that then like there's no sort of all right now this story is complete and you can have some sort of closure on this thread it's like no no we we gave this to you just to get here but where does it go doesn't matter you're here now this is where we're going (laughs) yeah but like i what Mm, it feels the ending of this movie reminds me of like a western kind of like especially like a revisionist western like unforgiven or something where it's like a violent man's violent past catches up to him so he has to fight one last time and then he's going to renounce violence forever or whatever because he like throws the gun off the cliff um i think I they guess. just needed a super cool freeze frame ending i i think that yeah i mean that's probably the more likely explanation but or maybe it's like i'm too good for your human you're human instruments of war. I'm an, I am a weapon unto myself. So yeah, <laughs> like, j- but he kept like, getting I dare shot. You to fuck so. with me. <laughs> <laughs> but again, plenty of people did and they all kept winning against him. This movie feels like a choose your own adventure didn't. where like something is introduced right before you have to choose what path you're on. But because you chose, uh, you know, page 72 rather than page 38, the thing that was just introduced never gets brought back up again because people, whoever wrote the book is like, well, obviously if you're being chased by a werewolf in a mansion, obviously you're going to pick up this silver knife and run out into daylight. It's like, no, I'm going to run into the moon in this dark, cold cavern. It's like, what? No, <laughs> you weren't supposed to choose that. All right, now I have fine. To come up with a let's, let's go there now. That's that's how it feels just in terms of things being brought up that never get um, that's funny <laughs> never get resolved. Uh, all right, <clears throat> Dan, 
What movies mm-hmm. would you pair this with? Because we started out with uh, that we do all recommend this film. Mm-hmm. It is worth seeing. It's a blast. It's weird. It's it's dark. It's silly. It's a rape revenge film with a quasi graphic revenge scene with a dude also playing drums and then all like it's all over the place. It's weird. We recommend it, but for whom do you recommend it? Like what kinds of pairings would uh put this with? My first recommendation for this, um for those who kind of like the feel of the grindhouse exploitation flip but want something a little maybe more modern and palpable for their intro. I'm throwing you into black dynamite. Uh, I still need to see this. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's everything that is ridiculous about exploitation films, but they take it on so earnestly. Um, And there's, there's also a scene in that movie where you learn that it's a great big government conspiracy and their explanation of the government conspiracy is one of the most insane things I've (laughs) ever seen in a film ever. And it's so wonderful. And uh, Michael Michael Jai White plays Black Dynamite so earnestly. He, oh yeah, it, I, yeah, I won't Michael give away too much, awesome. but it, it's it, it's a it's a film about the government trying to take away a black man's power, and the, the kung fuist kicking us motherfucker in the planet. He's gonna <laughs> stop it, you know. Uh, it's played by Michael Jai White. Um, it's filmed using. All the '70s tropes. Uh, it's it's grainy looking. It's got stuntmen that don't look anything like the star on purpose. <laughs> I love that. Um, it, it's it, it's and it's meant to be humorous, but it's it's a great primer for what you can expect in a lot of these exploitation type films. Um, I also threw in uh, the films he's known for, uh, the Street Fighter films. Sure. I'm thinking maybe they might have wanted Wolf Guy to be a series with that ending because at this point yeah. he had already made three i think street fighter films so they knew that chiba was a proven star and would continue to make movies like this mm. um kind of the last one i just i just threw out when you, we were talking about how it's a private eye just kind of gets in the middle of things and it goes you know the film goes on basically without him even though he's in that and that's um the paul thomas anderson film from a few years ago inherent vice i where, haven't seen that one I haven't caught this. I, I, I literally found this Blu-ray for a dollar at the Dollar Tree one time, and Dude. I still haven't watched it yet. Oh, oh I, I thought you meant like, and you passed it up. Uh, no, no, it's... I bought it. Yeah, okay, I good. have it. I just haven't watched And I even have the book. I bought the book at the Dollar Tree, too. Oh, Apparently, yeah. it's just like the Dollar <laughs> Tree place. Pinchin's book. It's, the, yeah. it's one of those books that you can't really adapt well, and this film doesn't really try to adapt it well because it's, mm. I mean, it's almost a more... It's a more esoteric version of the Big Lebowski, <clears throat> where mm, yeah. a guy just kind of gets thrown into a situation he doesn't understand, and every time you think he's got a handle on what's happening, he realizes no, he still has no clue. Only it's not <laughs> played for as much humor as the Big Lebowski. And I know one of the big complaints when that film came out is people was like, "I don't understand it. I don't understand what the ending meant." It's like you kind of weren't supposed to. That was the point of it all. Yeah. <laughs> He just keeps finding himself in bigger and bigger messes and does everything he can to get out. And we're we're, we're so trained in believing that the private eye is going to figure everything out that mm. sometimes they don't. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's China. It's country. almost like a lot of people <laughs> haven't actually seen film noir mm. where the good guy doesn't always win. Yeah. Like film noir doesn't only describe like the dark setting sometimes it describes the dark ending of just mm-hmm. the the existential nature of life sucks then you die you mm-hmm. try to do some good 
didn't work. Like there, there are tons of movies out there like that, that, uh, yeah. Someone who, who watches a modern movie and it's like, wait, what? That that's, that's kind of a dark ending. Just, mm-hmm, yeah. Nihilism mm. can be fun sometimes. Yeah. I mean, this was coming right after, uh, there will be blood. So I think, which, you know, it's not like that has an ending where everything is explained away. <laughs> right. I think, I think people were expecting a little more prestige from that film and it's, it's not, it's not meant to be. It's, it's his play on a film noir. People forget because he because his movies are so well received by critics that Paul Thomas Anderson is a guy who loves junk mo- junk mm. food movies. Like yeah. I was, I saw a thing on Twitter the other day where he was uh, he and Jordan Peele like interviewed each other in Fangoria or Fangoria. something. They were talking, yeah, and they were talking about how much they loved uh, like Jaws two mm-hmm. and all this yeah. stuff. Uh, and like he's also married to Maya Rudolph, who is just like one of the goofiest, like most fun actresses out there. He does a bunch of stuff with Adam Sandler, like. Mm. Like Paul Thomas Anderson, for all of the prestige he gets, he's a he's a fun guy who likes like you know, I don't know. It's just I I guess I get it, but mm. I think people forget that a lot of times. Yeah, people like to forget things. Inherent vice is good. Inherent vice is a good one and, too because. And of oh, course, your okay. recommendation at the beginning with it follows. Oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I really do think that is a great <clears throat> pairing. Sex is going to follow you around and bad shit is going to happen when it does. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I want to point out too, like your, the street fighter uh, pick is a good one too, because the, the uh, director of wolf guy also directed sister street fighter, which also has Sonny Chiba in it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. That part and then of the, the street fighter series, or is that just an unrelated film that steals the title and the it's actor? Part. No, it's part. okay. Um, I like the I like the point about inherent vice not like not really adapting the novel too because I was reading about like we one thing we haven't mentioned is that Wolf Guy is based on a manga, mm-hmm. and I was reading like what this manga is about and it has absolutely nothing to do with anything <laughs> like the manga is about like a Japanese American exchange student who is in middle school who is bullied by people and who like constantly like he's he's a pacifist like he doesn't give in to the bullying because you know he can take it. He, he continually heals from being beaten up by, by the bullies. Then eventually he kind of is, I guess thematically it works because like he starts getting so sick of human beings that he does eventually start fighting back or whatever. And it's a tragic mm-hmm. ending and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it well, it's just taking like, that and then having him grow up and have much sure. more of the uh, people. I, although I think Ugh. in the, in the Which manga, I, I th- think he is killed somehow at the end with a, it, it's like one of those the end question mark, like was he really killed kind of things. I don't know. Sure. Uh, I, 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 I kind of want to see Sonny Chiba replaced with a 14-year-old in this movie. <laughs> who, who, who just is like a young idealistic kid who thinks he can solve this. Oh, man, that would be, that would be fun, just actually. all the problems that everything else still you know, brings about. That's awesome. It, it would make the sex scenes a lot more problematic, Ooh. but yeah. uh, yes. Man, now I'm thinking Brick would be a great pairing with this with, oh, with that yes. version of this movie. Yeah. That's one of the awesome. ones that I was thinking of in terms of its very uh, unique take on a film noir. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so my pairings, I had I'd written down Logan, uh, like the the third Wolverine movie, because again, there there's some interesting like Western tropes in this movie that also like you know it's got the X Men thing where people are being weaponized based on their mutations. Sonny Chiba reminds me a lot of Wolverine in terms of just like the uh, types of powers that he has, how he can heal himself. Um, but what I would, but like the more I think about it, the more that I think, like 
Dan, I think you had no, said was, that this... It was me that added this to your notes. Oh, yeah. No, you did add... Okay, you added to my notes. I wrote Logan, and in the notes you put, don't you mean X-Men Origins Wolverine? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Because Dan also mentioned that this movie is basically like a Wolverine origin story. And so what I think, to pair it with Logan, what works best is to treat this like, off with x-men origins wolverine and put this movie in there instead this is the first movie in the wolverine trilogy then wolverine is in japan in the second one dealing with the yakuza Mm -hmm. which this movie deals with too and then the third movie is kind of following up on the climax of this movie where he is off on his own trying to like just die and yeah. you know hide out in the world so yes this but, but he's still coming to the aid of women too <laughs> exactly yeah three. exactly a woman who is who is uh you know having her powers exploited by you know mm-hmm. the powers that be um so that I think is that... a much better trilogy than <laughs> including x-men origins wolverine okay. can you think of another trilogy that is like think about the quality of the first x-men origins movie and then look mm-hmm. at the latter two sequels are like the jump in quality from all of those movies is just incredible because yeah. um, that first movie is f-ing awful um, yep. another movie that i had in terms of tone is ravenous which is also another western um this is a movie that i watched for the first time last year and i absolutely love it it's a guy pierce movie um, that is about it's hard to describe because it's a movie that is so many movies rolled into one it's a western it's a comedy it's a horror movie it's a movie that's about the wendigo but also doesn't actually show a wendigo in it it's a little bit more about like cannibalism um, it also has this insane sound, like insane score that should not work because it is so wildly different and like feels out of place from everything happening in the movie but it still somehow works incredibly well uh, and yeah, it, it's a movie that constantly is morphing into other genres all the time. Uh, so I think tonally it fits really well. Um, I think another, like for a gender flipped version of this movie, uh, Lady Snowblood. It, I, I just watched this movie right before we started recording and it's f***ing incredible. But it's a film that it, it's like a rape revenge sort of film that's about a woman who... Um, whose mother died in childbirth while giving birth to her and her mother. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. The movie's told like uh, in not in a chronological order. Basically, if you've seen Kill Bill, this is <laughs> basically Kill Bill. She was born um, by a mother who could not complete her revenge because these men came in and killed her husband or fiance, I think, um, and then raped her. And she was only able to kill one of the four people who perpetrated this like awful thing against her. And so she ends up getting pregnant specifically to pass this revenge on to her child who then will go and kill the rest of the people. Um, And also throughout the movie, uh, Lady Snowblood is constantly referred to as an, an, an Asura, an Asura, which is like a demigod. So she is like kind of hinted to be like somewhat supernatural, um, but also doesn't ever explicitly like become a demon or whatever. So sure. yeah, and it's also adapted from a manga. Um, it's it's very similar to this movie, but like on a much more story wise competent way. <laughs> uh, and it's got all kinds of like great martial arts stuff in it. It's it's a fantastic movie. Um, <clears throat> we definitely need to cover that one at some point because that oh, sounds gosh. amazing. It's 
It is so good. It's beautiful um, shot too. The, the oh, cinematography yeah, in that film is so gorgeous. It is a gorgeous movie. Um, and it also has a lot of like themes about like, you know, the, the people in power are constantly like subjugating those who are not in power. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to, lot to dig into into with that one. Um, my last one is um, actually a video game. Um, it, the Wolf Among Us, which is based on the Fables comic book series by, uh, is it Bill Willingham, I think? Bill Willingham, yep. Yeah. Have you read those, Dan? Because you put Fables yeah, on I here. Yeah, I read like, like the first like 60 or so issues of that before I oh. fell off. <laughs> it, it was a yeah. long running Vertigo series back in the early 2000s. Yeah, there's a lot. I've never read the comic book um, oh, or the comic series. The uh, the Telltale video game is great. It also works well with Nathan's uh, talking about how uh, this is basically like a choose your own adventure movie <laughs> because the the Wolf Among Us is a Telltale video game and they make like these licensed properties that are essentially just choose your own adventure video games. There's not like a you're not really like doing I a mean, whole lot of action and fighting or any whatever. Video game a choose your own adventure game. Sure, but this is explicitly like a story-driven game where you do like dialogue choices that affect the outcome of the narrative. Oh, gotcha. um, but in the game, you play as you play as the literal big bad wolf named Bigby, um, <laughs> and you're investigating like the murder of other fairy tale creatures. I think I, I think it's like Red Riding Hood or something, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it is literally like the big bad wolf as a private eye trying to figure out, like trying to solve a mystery. Um, it's really cool. It's a it's a a lot of fun. Probably my favorite of all the Telltale games. They also did like the Walking Dead and a Batman series and a bunch of other stuff. But um, yeah, that's that's great. It would work really well. And it and it really like hones in on the noirish kind of stuff. It's got mm-hmm. like a a lot of cool neon, like mm-hmm. dramatic expressionistic kind of lighting and stuff. And uh, yeah, in in the comics, yeah. he's often wearing a trench coat and you know yeah. the hat and is very gruff and doesn't want to talk to anybody and mm. yeah <clears throat> and he actually warm. he actually turns into a werewolf yeah he, he um, does <laughs> but, yeah so. yeah so uh man all of these picks are so all over the place because wolf guy is also <laughs> all over the place i spent so much time and, trying to come up with picks for this like it took me forever because there were so many directions you can go well like so that's where i went with mine is less of a what movie in its entirety would pair well with wolf guy in its entirety yeah and it's more of as i was watching it during these scenes it made me think of ooh this film and so all of my picks were like very dependent on uh, when during the movie I was thinking about what would pair well. So uh, the first one that I have up, because this is where the movie starts out with being more of that dark and gritty film noir style. Um, first up is Vice Squad by Gary Sherman, which is about this is an awesome pick. I was jealous when I saw this on here. I was like, damn, that's a fucking great, great choice. That's <laughs> because I know how to pair movies sometimes. Um, yeah. Vice Squad. Oh my God. It is such an amazing movie. Uh, Eric and I were able to see it at chat film fest with Gary Sherman in attendance. You got to talk about it afterwards. It's such an awesome experience, but um, yeah, it's about a, uh, a prostitute who is trying to run away from her pimp, a white pimp who is just absolutely brutal to his prostitutes and uh, the cops that are then trying to chase him down because of a, a murder of one of his prostitutes. It's dark, it's gritty, 
it gets super weird at times not weird like you know uncomfortable weird but weird like there, there's a scene where um you know what i don't even want to spoil it i don't i don't want to spoil vice squad i don't want to spoil anything about it there's is just a wedding s- it is the wedding scene there's, okay just we'll just say there's a wedding <laughs> scene that's there's a wedding incredible. scene and it's odd um and the greatest thing about it is gary sherman was talking about how a lot of the segments in that movie are like based off of actual vice stories so mm. it might not necessarily be a this is a real thing that happened but it's real enough uh based off of some of the stories that he did in his research um and uh in creating that movie <clears throat> Uh, next one, which I already mentioned, uh, is Ricky O, the story of Ricky, which is, I think, also based off of a manga. And it is just it's just bonkers. It is about a um, it, it's about a guy who's and this is where a lot of the themes actually do tie in beyond just eh, it sounds weird. There's this guy, Ricky, and his girlfriend dies because of drug lords, basically some other stuff that happens um but essentially she is dead because of drugs so he chased down the drug lord and killed him and then went to prison and in prison is um you know just like trying to survive really but he's also superhuman and kind of invulnerable so he's not really trying to survive he's more of just cleaning up a prison because it's a corrupt prison and it's privatized and um even though we're not talking about Riccio. I'm going to do an offshoot pairing uh, and say that Riccio would be a, a great pairing with a prayer before dawn in just the most complete opposite ends of the spectrum. A prayer before dawn is just a brutal tale that will tear you down and make you want to cry every single moment. Riccio has people getting tossed into meat grinders for humor. <laughs> <laughs> it's so absurd uh but yeah Riccio, it it is a um again it's it's just bizarre and brutally violent and and i love it and we are absolutely going to cover that one at some point um and also i just remembered something that i forgot that we were going to do at the beginning of the episode so we'll get to this in just a second uh the next one that i have is the crow because of some of the uh more revenge style uh going on and dealing with some of the gangs again these are very 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 loose associations and how these movies work but uh, i mean come on that, that would be a fun dark gritty night pairing wolf guy and uh, and the crow and then of course wolf cop because in part because that was my original suggestion um and because i also watched it this week and even though they don't fit in tone at all you do have um you have something in both wolf cop and wolf guy that you don't get much of in werewolf movies where the werewolf is he's much more in control of himself as a wolf now granted in wolf guy he never actually turns into a wolf he's just a guy like i, I had in our notes somewhere <laughs> that i meant to throw in the joke but I, I i missed it werewolf more like where's the wolf huh i can't find him because there's no wolf <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah wolf oh, you also is... forgot what the hell is going on <laughs> 
I love dumb jokes. Uh, Wolf Cop it would also pair well with Ginger Snaps because it's also a Canadian werewolf movie. Um, but man, so, again, complete opposite ends of the spectrum because Wolf Cop is very, um, very machismo where he only gets stronger and better as a cop when he's a wolf cop. <laughs> And also when he's a drunk wolf cop. So there's <laughs> all kinds of themes that we can get into that. Uh, yeah. So, so those were my picks. Uh, Vice Squad, Ricky O, The Crow, and Wolf Cop. And speaking of pairings, I meant to do this at the beginning and completely forgot. When we were talking about dog soldiers, there was such an obvious pick that somehow all three of us missed it. But we, we need to talk about this. And this is the first time that we've actually gone back on a later episode to say, hey, in our previous episode, we meant to include this pick in our pairings. Dog Soldiers needs to be paired with Green Room. Like, of all of the ones that we talked about, if I had to pick a, a double feature, that might be my top pick. Again, drastically yeah. different tone. Green Room is brutal beginning to end. Well, when the violence starts, it is just nonstop brutality and 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 not like a fun horror brutality, like a this feels too real. Like I'm, I'm not having yeah. fun uh, like in From Beyond when um, when Jeffrey Combs sucks out a woman's eye from her head and spits it out. That's fun <laughs> violence because it's so absurd. In green room, when a guy has his arm chopped with a hatchet, it's just—it's very upsetting. Like it's oh. a very stomach-churning kind of kind of violence. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It it is That's- so brutal that the reason that it makes for almost a perfect pairing with dog soldiers is so that dog soldiers can be the coming down from green room to have some mm-hmm. light-hearted violence and actually have fun with it. Oh. Yeah. Man, Green Room is one of my favorite movies of the last decade. It is yeah. it is an extraordinary film. I love it so much. And Patrick Stewart is just so effort, effortlessly terrifying. Uh-huh. It's he so does, crazy. He like, does nothing yeah. that is like a typical, I'm going to be the big scary big bad. But yet every time he's on screen, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> that like, that's a movie. Scary. <laughs> When you when you watch that movie, you sit like I remember after that was over, I was like, "Why the fuck haven't we been putting Patrick Stewart in movies as villains for so? Like, yeah. why is he always a good guy? Because he's, he's so too lovable. Good. Yeah, like, he's like the, it's it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that has tea with Ian McKellen. <laughs> you know? Exactly, the guy that goes and gets the Red Lace crew. To, you he's, know, he's, mop he's Professor up. X. Yeah. Well, and like that's one of the other reasons that Dog Soldiers uh, pair so well with Green Room is because the werewolves in Dog Soldiers are just this nice, quaint country family. You know, they're not doing anything terrible. Much in the same way that the Nazis in Green Room, you know, what some of them are obviously horrible, horrible people, but. Uh, some of the Nazis in Green Room, you wouldn't assume just by looking at them that they are the scum of the earth. You know, like you just said, Patrick Stewart, he's a sweetheart. He's so unassuming and pure yeah. evil underneath in the movie, not in real life. He's a sweetheart. Uh, but yeah, that we know but, of. <laughs> that we know of. Yes, he he might be a werewolf in real life. <clears throat> yeah. I wish well, there was too much time going back, but I just I, I I was thinking about that after the fact. I was like, oh my god, why did we not talk about this? So yeah, I needed to. Needed yeah, to I've, talk got, about I've that. got a friend who tours in a like hardcore punk band, and that 
he had to like I let him borrow. He gave it. He's like, never let me watch that again, please. And he is a uh-huh. horror movie fan, but he's like, I can't mm. tell you how many places we've played that are just like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not with all the severe Nazi overtones, but just the it's the you know it's it's a, it's this little clubhouse hall in the middle of nowhere mm. where you walk in, you don't know anybody there. You're just there. You play on a quote unquote stage. And you know that's it. And he's like, we've we've played in a lot of places that have that similar vibe to it. And I'm just, and he was, he was like you said, it was uncomfortably real for him. Yeah, yeah. all the punk stuff in that movie feels so authentic. Oh like, yeah, it feels yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we are absolutely going to be covering that one. We have such a yes. long list of movies we're going to be covering. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just assume we're covering all the movies. We we are eventually going to cover every single movie, even the terrible ones, which brings us to our last segment before we close (laughs) things out. So it's February. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) sorry. And I've been watching a bunch of werewolf movies, some amazing werewolf movies, some not so amazing. And one of the ones that I threw on the other day, just because eh, I needed something on in the background, I was trying to uh, trying to edit um, one of the episodes and like trying to actually do things, and so I didn't want a movie that I had to actually pay attention to, but I just wanted something on in the background. Not too long ago, I was at a pawn shop and someone had just gotten rid of uh, apparently their werewolf collection. I, I had picked up like ten werewolf movies, and they all look god awful like none of them look good one of the ones that i picked up in that batch is dark wolf half man half beast pure evil this movie is trash this movie (laughs) this is so bad but it's not even what we're talking about um but there were just a bunch of werewolf movies and i was like eh what the hell you know I, i picked like 15 of them up for like 10 bucks so one of the ones that i picked up was tomb of the werewolf which sounds <laughs> fine, I guess. It it's like a downgrade from softcore because the sex scenes like aren't even sex scenes. It's more of like foreplay scenes and they just cut away. It's like, <laughs> well, if you're going to take the time to invest in like showing naked people very clearly engaging in in sex, <laughs> It, it's just so confusing. It's almost like a TV edit of a softcore porn where the TV editor isn't paying attention. And then like every 20 minutes wakes up and is like, oh, whoops, crap. There's there's boobs. Change scenes. <laughs> it's so weird. It's and it's not good. It's not good at all. It is pure trash. It's 80 minutes of trash and not even like a fun trash. It's it's bad. Yes. But I watched it or I had it on the background, <laughs> I should say, and I logged it. And very shortly after, Eric sent me a text and was like, dude, are you okay? And sent me a picture of my letterboxed where I had logged that I watched Tomb of the Werewolf. So that leads us to our segment of what would your cry for help movies be? Like if you were kidnapped and the only way to communicate with the outside world that you were in trouble is by logging something on Letterboxd or like by posting a review on uh, on any sort of uh, social media, like what would your cry for help coded message be? For example, if I were to say something like, man, John Carpenter is really overrated. <laughs> Someone like use find my iPhone and find <laughs> out where I am. I am in trouble. Right. So, Dan, what would your uh, coded message cry for help be? 
Uh, mine would be, you know, David Slade directing that Twilight film was a great career. Movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, the man, guy was... Who, who did Hard Candy in 28 Days Later. Go to... No, do... 30 Days of Night. Yeah, that's what I meant, 30 Days of Night. Yeah, how does yeah. he go to do that? I mean, and he hasn't really directed a theatrical film since. He's, he's done work in TV. He's actually done some good work in TV. Mm, yeah. But like that was like the door was slammed on his like movie making career at that point. Well, you know, so it crazy. was a it's... major book series and it had a lot of following. Like it could have been the next big. I mean, I, but they they made all of the movies. They made what like six? How many five. movies are there? And, and not only there enough, they all four. Have, most of them have high quality directors four, behind them. Yeah, like I think Bill Condon directed like yeah, one Bill or two Condon. Even like even the first one, Catherine Hardwick, I think, is yeah. actually pretty solid. Like thirteen, and 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 I really like Lords of Dogtown. I know people show yeah. on that movie, but like she's no, she's a good director. Good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, <laughs> you, I remember. You, I remember. You realize that this is the uh, second episode in a row where you've made a Twilight reference, right? Are, are we sure <laughs> that's an actual cry for help? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, Eric. Dan might be in trouble. This is the second Twilight <laughs> reference. <laughs> I do keep around. And it's funny because I've, I've only ever seen the first film and like segments of mm. the last one. But yet I can't help myself from referencing them. <laughs> I, you know, I, I will say, I, I like I worked in a movie theater when all those movies were out. And I remember when Eclipse came out. That's the one he directed. That's the third one, I think. Um I remember like seeing his name on the movie and I was like, holy shit, do I want to watch a Twilight movie now? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I've seen all of them because, you know, I, I watch movies. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Eclipse, it, to be fair, it is definitely, without a doubt, the best of that series. Mm. Um, it's got some, got some solid, it's the one that has the most like werewolf slash vampires fighting each other stuff and it's pretty good. Anyway, well, not the movie is pretty good, but like parts of it are pretty good. Twilight uh, is basically the fan fiction version of Underworld, but like the sure. like preteen fan fiction, to where everything's brighter and happier, and there's some very I, confused views on sex and how babies. I kind work. of want to do a series on the Twilight movies because I know that they're like easy to shit on, but I feel like people shit on them for the wrong reasons. I think that there's like a, a deeper fundamentally toxic thing that's underneath the story of the, uh, behind those movies that people don't really talk about. That's the reason why they're so terrible. Uh, most of the time people are like, Oh, vampires shouldn't glitter. And it's like, no, that's, that's stupid, but that's not why those movies are so bad. Yeah. Like the, the as movies, they're not terrible. Now granted, I've only seen the first one, but like they're not like purely from <laughs> purely from a movie standpoint it's not that they are poorly made so they're not bad movies they are incredibly horribly toxic stories on relationships yeah. written by an incredibly puritanical yeah they they messed the, up the, view of what the, sex isn't and never should yeah. be like that's the, where problem the problem is they is. they romanticize abusive and abusive yep. relationship multiple abusive relationships yeah um so yeah that'd be fun to dig into for a series um maybe so speaking of uh nothing because i don't have an actual <laughs> transition there um 
So I, transition is just about... so my pick is. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, now I'm choking. So when you had uh, talked about doing that, mentioned doing this, um, I teased that my pick is a movie that had already been mentioned in our notes. Um, and so my uh, cry for help would be, you know, guys, this X Men Origins Wolverine movie is actually not that bad. <laughs> um, I literally, I, I hate this movie so much that I literally, for a screenplay that I wrote for my screenwriting class in school, I spent the entire like first ten pages of the opening sequence having an argument between a couple centered around this film, <laughs> where the the boyfriend in the situation was so belligerent in his belief that this is a terrible movie that he caused a breakup between the two of them because his girlfriend liked this movie. Um, which I also realize is, is not something I would actually do. It's sort of based on a real argument I had with my wife and it's really funny, but, um, but I took it to the next level to like make this guy seem like an asshole, but I also don't disagree with his feelings on the film. Um, anyway, it's a really horrible movie that made me actually angry when I saw it the first time. Um, the only other movie I can think of that I would put in that field is, uh, is if I start talking about how much I love the love guru, uh, <laughs> fuck that movie. I, I had some family members who talked about how funny that movie was and they shall remain nameless for their safety and security. But, uh, fuck the love guru so much. That is God awful. Uh, so yeah, if I ever say like, you know, love guru, it's not bad. I can finish almost any movie, and I made it about 20 minutes into that. And I was like, oh, I, can't, I can't do this It's anymore. unreal, especially, like, I love Mike Myers. Like, mm-hmm. the Austin Powers movies, even the, the Gold Member, which is not great. Like, I still love certain parts of it. Mm-hmm. Like, the subtitles gag is so, so funny. Um, and then, of course, Wayne's World, those movies are great. But, yeah, I love... Gu- oh, and The Cat in the Hat. I'll throw that one in there, too. That movie is... Oh, don't forget, so I married an ex-murderer, too. I garbage. Oh, but- that movie is I great. Like that movie. I love, I that, like movie. That, movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Okay, okay, good, good, good. I thought was no, that no, I, was I that your other that. cry for help? So I'm sir, so I'm your next murder. <laughs> yeah, no, Sucks, that, guys. That film is genius. That film is genius. Yes, it's really good. I oh, mean, I forgot about that. I used to come on Comedy Central all the time. Mm-hmm. It's so underrated. Anyway, man, Nathan. Uh, so really quick before I get into my picks, let me just say I I don't have cable, so I don't I can't watch Comedy Central. They might still do this, but I feel like they've not done this in a while. I miss Comedy Central's like Halloween coverage. You know, back when the, it was like, all right, it's starting to get quasi close to Halloween. We're gonna start showing a bunch of horror comedies, and they would do things like yeah. So I Married an Axe Murderer and Transylvania Six Five Thousand and <laughs> An American Werewolf in London and Clue and yeah. Man, I I miss that. That was such a fun run. It's like, oh, I've seen this movie a hundred times. Now it's a hundred and one. Yes, absolutely. All right. So uh, I've, I've got two picks. The first uh, prompted by your pick of Mike Myers. You know what? Eddie Murphy is way funnier now than he used to be in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> And, of course, you know what? I just, having watched a lot of these movies, I got to say, Roland Emmerich, he makes boring films. <laughs> if I say that, you know that something is desperately wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man, that reminds me of one of my other ones is, you know, Nathan, I agree with you. That, that would be that would be another one of my cry for helps. I, you and I were on the same page. I had in my notes 
and I deleted it. And I don't think that you were online when I was editing these notes, so I don't <laughs> think that you saw it. I actually had in there. You know what, Eric? I've been thinking don't, a lot don't about do this, it. and don't do it. Don't even. And say you're it. right. I, yeah, just. I think that it is very funny that both of us had a, you know what? You're right about whatever as a <laughs> Oh, man. We've had some contentious episodes lately. There have been, been some. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. All right. It's good stuff. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Dan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, my website, hbo2frontroad.com. Uh, my Twitter is at, at HB underscore OTO and uh, letterbox at Dan underscore Fleming. I, I have to ask, why the HB underscore OTO? Because um, I was very tired when I did it. And it just kind of randomly assigned that to me. And I've since now looked at <laughs> like, the whole HBO to front row is available. And I'm like, shit, do I restart? No, I'm not going to restart. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why it assigned me that when it did it. And I just, That's I've funny. never bought, I, by the time I was like, I noticed it. I'm like, no, I'm not going back. <laughs> so <laughs> I am now come too far, that. but yeah, if you search HBO on the front row, you'll still find me on Twitter. So, mm. uh, Eric, where do you want people to find you? Um, I am on Twitter at the Chimerican. That is T H E C H I M E R I C A N. Um, I can also be found on Instagram at Chimerican reviews and on letterbox at Eric J A Y. And you can follow me at slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. Or you can follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. That's G A R G Y L E. Because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back for, for more of our coverage, unfortunately, February is over, but you can go back and check out our February episodes. Um, just do a search for Video Monsters wherever you get your podcasts. And you should definitely keep coming back because our theme for March. So, drum roll. Uh, uh, yes, drum roll. I feel like we should explain it and then it. name it. So our theme for March is going to be uh, looking at King Kong movies and Godzilla movies because, you know, uh, Kong versus Godzilla is coming out. And so we're going to be focusing on looking at some of the history of each of those uh, each of those films. Not all of them. Like we're going to be doing more broad episodes looking at Godzilla and then looking at King Kong. But our theme is King of the Marchsters. This is the first time we've said it out loud. (laughs) Because it's during March. And, you know, it's a a play on King of the Monsters. Oh, man. I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to have to... I don't want to do it now because we're going to have to explain it on the actual episodes, but... Explain it now. I I can't because I'm just going to laugh through it. Explain part of why King of the March... (laughs) Good God. I'm regretting this so much. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, all right. So <clears throat> we were talking about this theme and, and trying to figure it out. And we were suggesting title ideas. And you put King of the Marchsters out there. And I was like, yeah, Marchsters. I thought about that. The King of the Marchsters. And I was like, yeah, I thought about that. But it sounded too stupid. It sounded like somebody trying to say the word Marchsters while like munching on popcorn or something. <laughs> and I, I, I sent that. And as soon as I sent it, I was like, you're going to want to do it now, aren't you? And you're like, King of the Marchsters it is. 
So, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, which I mean, you know, it works. Uh, I think that I'm, I, uh, I managed to make it work even better with some of the, uh, I have created actual graphics to post along with our episodes that I think are going to be fun. And I think the way I made it work makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, so um, as, we'll, as, a te- yeah. as a teaser for what we're going to be doing, we are also uh, kind of riffing on March Madness, where we're going to be doing a, um, um, oh my God, why am I bracket. forgetting? The- yes, bracket. We're going to be doing a bracket narrowing down the top Godzilla and the top King Kong, and then we're going to argue about who would actually win. Yes. Sadly, we're not going to have episodes covering, like, every single step of the bracket because well you know march is too much yeah march isn't that much longer than february so we don't have enough time to like actually go through all of that but the uh the general tone of the episodes is going to be a bracket um march madness style narrowing down the top monster the king of the monster so I wanted to do a gag where I actually had a thing of popcorn and took like a big mouthful of it before I said <laughs> King of the Marchsters. But listening to someone actually chew in a recording is just excruciating. And I did not want to subject our uh, listeners to that. Well, so so what you're saying is you're going to do it on the actual King of the Marchsters episode. You're just saving it for then. I'm, I'm so tempted <laughs> but probably not because uh, I'd like, I, I cannot stand the sound of people chewing when it's like really, really, really overdone. And when doing that into a microphone, it, it's really overdone. Like uh, the scene in Lord of the Rings where, um, uh, what's his name? Um, dude from French eats the, the tomato and it's like really mm. close up and he goes... <laughs> Like that scene oh. is one of the most disgusting scenes. Well, what is that guy's name? Uh, is it Brad Dorf? No, no, it's not Brad Dorf. John. John. Yes, is Brad it's John. Dorf in those movies. No. Yeah, he's Wormtongue. He's Wormtongue. That's what I, I almost said. Wormtail, and I was like, no, that's Harry Potter. <laughs> Same thing. Different parts of the worm. Um, yeah, but when when he eats the um, when he eats that cherry tomato, I just oh, I kind of want to throw up a little bit. John Noble. Gotcha. That's. Yes, John Noble. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So I, I don't yeah, want to have to do that to our listeners. But yeah, King of the Marchsters. <laughs> when, when I say it, I have to like also not enunciate Marchsters, because then it just sounds too weird. So I, I, I play it up as if I did have a mouthful of popcorn. Marchsters. We're going we're, we're gonna to keep up with this for a whole month. Yes, we are. You thought, if you thought him laughing at the February joke was bad, <laughs> just you wait. Oh, <clears throat> if you've not been following the podcast for a while, a lot of our monthly themes come from how fucking stupid can we make this name theme? And um, how can we cram the month into some kind of <laughs> dumb pun title that is not good at all? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. It makes it so much better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We should probably end things. That's been it for this episode of Video Marchsters. That's what, that's what it's going to be during March. We're going to be the Video Marchsters. I uh, man, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> you should. I'm so short-sighted. <laughs> uh, I'm also Eric. 
Dan will be leaving us. Dan will no longer be returning. I, I don't know if my love of Godzilla is like really being weighed up heavily now. <laughs> So be sure to check back soon for our next episode where we start King of the Monsters. Bye. I'm so, so excited about this. Yeah, that's why you didn't make time to watch more werewolf movies, like Tomb of the Werewolf. That's that's absolutely behind, man. Yeah, I never finished Silver Bullet. I haven't finished The Wolfman yet. Dude, did you at least get to the part in Silver Bullet with the Peacemaker? In the fog. No, I, no I, I said I didn't finish it. What I meant was I haven't even started it yet. 